When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, and, of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe whenever you get the chance to do that. You can follow us on your favorite pod streaming app after the show, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to go. And, of course, we'll be back tonight from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. You guys know the drill. Although this is our last Thursday morning to afternoon show that we're actually going to be doing because we'll start that new schedule next week. We're going to be all night, all prime time, all the time, Monday through Friday. We'll keep you up to date as we go through that. But you know it's the Thursday night preview. It's the early slate games of Sunday that we're going to talk about in today's show. We actually even got a London game. I'm going to be waking up at 9.30 in the morning making mimosas while I watch the Jets and the Falcons. Tell me something, Chris. First, you can tell me how you're doing. But then also tell me, you know, if you lived in London and you're trying to become a fan of the NFL, and I've, I've, we've had a few London guests on the show this year, are you going to be like, wouldn't you be disappointed we keep sending our crappy teams over there to go play? <laughs> yeah, we seem to kind of pick the, the worst of the worst. We, we go over there to the pond, but I guess they're so starved for football, we can pretty much do that. Um, so I think that they're going to sell out regardless. So I guess for NFL, they figure they're going to get fans, even if it's a bad product. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Richard King on from King Fantasy Sports, and uh, I asked him about it, you know, what it's like. You know, he keeps sending the Jaguars out there. We keep sending all these crappy matchups out there. And he said, basically what happens, it just turns into an event anyway. They're just there to watch the game. They actually really enjoy the game. Uh, but it's more of like a uh, it's, it's more like a concert 
out there is kind of deal. It's just more like an event than it is an actual like, you know, going to root for any one particular team kind of deal. So from that standpoint, I guess it doesn't matter. Although I think we do some good to send some good teams out there. But then again, the good teams don't want to go play. Nobody wants to play in London. The good teams definitely want to play in London. So maybe it's a little bit of punishment for them if you're being good to actually have to go out there. I don't know. I just think it's funny. It always seems to be the worst of the worst. But yeah, we got to talk about the Thursday night game tonight. A lot going on. A lot to discuss. I was up very late doing my ranking, so don't worry. I got it up to date because Chris Carson, he's not going to be expected to play. Yeah, there's there's some, in, there's some concerns about his neck injury. Um, you saw him kind of miss some snaps last week. There's a lot of talk about Alex Collins taking over the backfield this tonight and hopefully maybe the starter. Um, I don't know if it's definitively yet, but they asked what you're basically looking for. That more than likely it could be Chris Carson could be out, get some rest, and get Alex Collins out there. Yeah, and look, maybe DJ Dallas gets involved to some degree. We've seen Travis Homer be involved a little bit, at least lining up on the field anyway, on passing downs, not really being heavily involved or utilized when he's out there, but he has been out there in those situations. With Chris Carson missing, and this being a long-term neck injury, first of all, Alex Collins, if he's not already grabbing your waiver wire, run to your waiver wire this morning and pick him up, because it might be more than a one-week thing. It might, If this is really a chronic long-term issue, we don't know how this is going to shake out for the rest of the year with Chris Carson. That's the bad news if you're a Carson owner. But the good news is make sure you grab Alex Collins if you have the ability to do so. I have him ranked, and I'm going to tweak this a little bit after the show too, so we'll see. I might actually move him a little bit higher now that we know for sure Carson's not going to play. But I have him ranked about that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 territory we still have to see him actually be involved in the pass game. We don't know if he's going to get that workhorse role. I think he could. I think he might. But we have to actually see how this whole thing breaks down. So, And they're playing the Rams. And I think this game could turn into a shootout tonight. It's going to be a good game. We have a good Thursday night game. That's, that's the good news. But this game could turn into a shootout tonight. So I do wonder, can he get more than 15 touches in this game to make him higher than a lower NRB2? Where are you at on Alex Collins tonight, Chris? Yeah, I'd be surprised if he did because Chris Carson, who was healthy until this week, hasn't got over, hasn't been getting those kinds of touches. He's only, his most carries he's had in the game so far has been 13. He hasn't been targeted much in the passing game. So a lot of the you know, RB1 things that I kind of thought in the offseason, Chris Carson would be a sneaky RB1 out there. He hasn't really been utilized that way so far. So I doubt Alex Collins is going to get more carries or more touches than Chris Carson was. Uh, CBass725 on Twitch just commented in uh, asking Corey Davis or Cordell Patterson. Uh, we're going to get into this in a little bit of details when we talk about the Atlanta Falcons, but uh, my quick answer would be Cordell Patterson and continue to listen to the show as to why. Chris, you as well? Yeah, I, I go with Cordell Patterson in that situation. Thank you for commenting in, CBass. Keep listening to the show. We'll talk about why in a little bit. Uh, yeah, so that that's the problem. Now, of course, Chris Carson getting 13 carries last week. With Alex Collins got 10. So from a running back standpoint, there was 23 carries to go around, which is more than they were doing before. And this is what I want to talk about with Seattle. I mentioned this a little bit on the recap show. While Shane Waldron took over, and it looked like the Rams' type of scheme the first two weeks, because they wound up losing the first two weeks, Pete Carroll immediately pulled the plug. And this offense, now that we've seen the past two weeks, this slow tempo, uh, control the ball, play, you know, position field, all that stuff, that, that has Pete Carroll's thumbprints all over it. So now I feel like we've gone back to Pete Carroll's philosophy, which is what's always killed Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and have their slower games here. 
I don't think you can continue to do that against the Rams, but maybe they come out the gate and try to run the ball more like they did last week. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be the smart game plan that they try to do that. But I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see like a DJ Dallas and Travis Homer sprinkled in to kind of also cipher some of those touches, particularly in obvious passing situations. Um, we saw that kind of last year, even when they had injuries in the backfield, they, they kind of had specialists and so they kind of utilized particularly a DJ Dallas and, and a Travis Homer in that passing situation. So I don't necessarily think Alex Collins is going to have a, an outstanding game tonight. I think he can have a solid game, maybe an RB3, nice flex probably out there, but I wouldn't bank on getting what you're going to get out of you know, the top tier running back for him. You're, you're looking for touchdowns. I mean, that, that was what Chris Carson was bringing to the table before last week. He was bringing you touchdowns. That's what you're looking for out of Alex Collins tonight. Obviously, you can play him, but what we're saying is that maybe depending on what you have, if you're not the Chris, let's say you're not the Chris Carson owner, you picked him up. It may not be necessary to play him based on what you have, but just kind of keep that in mind. Obviously, he'll be a valuable play tonight. Russell Wilson does make my top 12, but barely. He comes in 11. The reason he comes in 11, again, is because of this offense, the way it's been operating. It's a slow-paced offense the last two weeks. I don't know which one. Are we going to get the first two-week offense in this game or the last two-week offense uh, in this game against the Rams? That's going to be the question. Right now, he's not throwing the ball more than 25 times. And while he always had this big touchdown efficiency rate, I can only bail you out to so, to so much of a degree because Russell Wilson himself, while he's mobile, doesn't take off and run a lot. So you're not always depending on that. So Wilson, he does make my QB one status inside my top 12, but he's outside my top 10 at QB 11. Yeah, you talked about touchdown dependent. It's weird to have a quarterback who's touchdown dependent, but that's what we have in Russell Wilson. He hasn't thrown over 300 yards yet this season. He does have the weapons and playmakers on the outside. We talked about the pace of this offense and kind of what they've been doing, and it's basically trying to control the clock and, and keep the plays, um, you know, keep the defense off the field as much as possible in a sense. So with that kind of play right now, Russell Wilson can't be one of those top quarterbacks, even with a good matchup. You're just hoping he gets some touchdowns, which he's a good chance you know, of doing so. But it's going to be interesting to see tonight because it also is a tough matchup with his defensive line for the Rams. Um, and you've seen Seattle kind of struggle with press protection this year already and press protection in the past. So it could be an uglier game than we kind of need to expect. Yeah, and that's kind of – you're hoping this game turns to a shootout, which it might because, again, you got two very talented offenses – and two defenses that have played well, but I wouldn't necessarily call elite or shut down or anything of that nature. So there's a chance, but that's what you're hoping for, basically. And that really hasn't been the case leading into this. So I'm not know I don't know if I'm banking on that. And you know, the same thing goes with the wide receivers. I'm playing DK Metcalf and playing Tyler Lockett. They do happen to make my top ten. I I may tweak that before the show's over, but they do happen to make my top ten heading into this week. Because the one thing, whether it's a slow-paced offense or not, the Target share is just so consolidated down to these two guys. Yeah, Freddie Swain gets mixed in here and there once in a while or whatever, you know, but tight end might get mixed in here one, once in a while. Will Disley, Gerald Everett, not touching any one of those guys. But for the most part, even if Russell Wilson throws the ball 25 times, you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who still get eight targets apiece, which is really all you're looking for. And they were still explosive wide receivers. So you're playing them. I know it's been a little bit rough for Lockett, especially as of late. Metcalf really hasn't had his big game of the year yet, but you're still playing these guys as wide receiver ones in my book. Yeah, obviously, I think both are must starts, and you're not really worried about the Jalen Ramsey treatment because nobody—he's not really shadowing people this year, so you know too no. much. So you have an opportunity for these both receivers to be productive tonight. Yeah, and he's playing again. He's playing at star position. If anything, I'd be a little bit more worried about Tyler Lockett than uh, DK Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey in this particular game. But again, they move Tyler Lockett all around. Ramsey's not moving from that star position now that he's 
playing, which I get why they're doing it. They're trying to mix it up. They're trying to use him in more versatile ways. He's a versatile player, but at the same time, it's making them much more susceptible on the outside than they ever were to this point. So I don't know if it's really been that much of a benefit for their defense. Let's move it on to the Rams. Matthew Stafford, QB7 for me. I think he has a bounce back game in this one. I think they're able to move the ball primarily through the air. And of course, Cooper Cup, he makes my top five wide receivers. Let's talk about Robert Woods. Robert Woods is wide receiver 41 for me this week. Now, there has been some talk. It was visible that he was pissed off after his, you know, touchdown that meant absolutely nothing at the end of the game last week. And he has kind of been the squeaky wheel. Now, does the squeaky wheel get the grease in tonight's game against the Seattle Seahawks? I think it does. I mean, Sean McVay came out and basically said it's up to him to make sure that Robert Woods is more involved. He thinks Robert Woods is one of his, you know, key players out there. This guy is pretty, you know, is involved in the game planning, but they're not really scheming him open per se. So I do think no. you're going to see more of an effort to do so. Um, and I obviously with this horrendous Seattle secondary, you've got nothing but upside of facing it. And if this, court, this game does turn into kind of a street out, we kind of talked about, um, you're going to need Robert Woods. So I think Robert Woods is going to be somebody, if I have him on my team, I would start him this week because I do think is one of the better matchups you're going to have. I tend to agree there is upside there because there is a momentum towards the squeaky wheel getting the grease in, in this in this instance. Uh, we know Robert Woods is a good player. We know this is a high-powered offense, and Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. It's been, to your point, the scheme. It's been, let's, let's motion Cooper Cup. Let's get him mismatches. Let's line him up all over the field. And Robert Woods, whoever you're playing against, you just have to get open and hope Matthew Stafford looks your way, even though you're not the first read. Uh, which is, you know, it's a crying shape because Robert, we know, again, Robert Woods is a good wide receiver and Sean McVay recognizes that. So I do think they will try to get him more involved moving forward. That's the good news. I still can't put all my chips on it yet because we've just seen mediocre play for four weeks now. So that's why he comes in at wide receiver 41 for me. But there is some upside. And if you've been, if you draft the Robert Woods because you needed Robert Woods, I do think you might get some payback tonight on your investments. So you can you can plug and play him, even though I have him outside the top 36 because the upside should be there. So that's why I wanted to comment there on Robert Woods. Darrell Henderson looked good coming back. And we got completely answered the question of what happens when he comes back. Is it, you know, does Sony Michelle get mixed in to any degree because he looked okay against Tampa Bay? Nope, not at all. All Darrell Henderson, all the time. He comes in at RB10 for me this week. So he's an RB1 for me going up against Seattle, who hasn't been able to stop the run. And the best thing about Henderson is he's got that floor with the targets that he's been seeing on top of it. Where are you at on Henderson in this matchup? Yeah, I'm really high on him this week as well. Um, you see basically that he's taking that Todd Gurley role a lot in his offense. He is the featured back. He's involved in passing and rushing attack. And he ran really well last week. I know he's coming back from his, his slight injury, but he didn't look – hindered at all. So I think he's an explosive player, the opportunity to have a big game in it tonight. And um, you talk about Seattle's you know, defense. They've been really susceptible to the run. So I think the Rams, if they're smart, they're going to go out there, kind of establish the run, take some shots down the field. I think Henderson's going to have a nice night tonight. Breaking news. All right. We just got some injury news is flying through the table right now. Here we go. So uh, we got Amari Cooper and, Ezekiel Elliott both doing individual drills in practice today. The expectation this whole time is that they would play, even though they missed practice yesterday, uh, dealing with hamstring issues, both of them, but it looks like they're going to be fine. And we also had Genevieve Bernard returning to practice today. So keep that in mind. We'll keep that in mind as we go through our analysis on these teams as well. So just kind of a quick update there. That pretty much, yeah. And Tyler Higby makes my top 10. Um, he's number nine. Again, I talk about all the time, eight through 16. 
You're kind of just streaming tight ends at that point. They're all kind of roughly in the same territory. But Higby continues to be a guy that I like to be able to play in that in that tier of tight ends. Yeah, he's got a good matchup on paper. The only issue you have kind of with this offense is who gets fed. If Robert Woods is right. going to be a squeaky wheel and get kind of gets more targets, will that leave out a Tyler Higby? So that's kind of the key to this offense is who actually is going to be the one who's you know, featured in the sense. All right, Chris. So let's talk about betting this game tonight. It's going to be a tight one. Over-under set at 54.5. So Vegas is looking for a shootout. I don't know if I'm going to be that ballsy. The Rams at minus 2.5 on the road. So you know what I'm going to do? You got two teams that are pretty equal to each other, and you got a home dog. I'm taking the home dog. I'm taking Seattle plus 2.5 in this game because I'm not going to take the Rams' favorite on the road against Seattle in an evenly matched battle on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. I, I think, though, for me, I think the Rams are going to win this game, so I would bet on the Rams. <laughs> so, so money line on the Rams, which, by the way, is not a bad bet because when that is that close, the money line for the Rams is only minus 140. So that's pretty good when you're getting a favorite money line anyway if you want to go that way. So that's not a bad bet. In fact, you could probably help yourselves out. You could probably put a little bit on the Rams and the money line. You could probably play a little bit on plus 2.5 on Seattle. There's a chance you'd hit both in case it winds up being a one-point game. Uh, let's hit a break. I want to get a word from the sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk about the early slate of Sunday games, including the London game up first. So we get to start off early in the morning. All right, guys, we'll be back right after this from a word from my bookie. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Welcome back, Empty Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media, at Belly of MDFF Show, on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Subscribe. Get us on your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker being our biggest one. And, of course, check us out tonight. We'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We just previewed the Thursday night game. We have a lot more to talk about. We have all the early slate of Sunday games this week. Still no buys. So we still have a full slate of shows to talk or shows games to talk about in the show. Starting off with the London game, we got the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. Look, Michael Carter is number 36, number 37 for me. Uh, so he's just outside uh, my RB3. He's more like an RB3 high and RB4. I am not looking to necessarily play him unless I absolutely have to, even though it's a plus match against the Atlanta Falcons. 
because I need to see it for one more week. But you like what you saw last week. He led the way in carries. He finally led the way in routes run, taking over Ty Johnson, looking more and more like the actual lead back. Now, because the Jets are so terrible, that can you know be taken with a grain of salt to some degree. But he's still a starting running back, and he has good volume trending in the right direction. Again, I want to see it one more week before I feel totally confident playing him. But if you need to, if you're in a tight spot, you can play him in the flex this week against Atlanta coming just outside of my RB3 range. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, this, is a, this is a guy who I've been high on in offseason, but I do think you might want to wait another week before you try to plug him into your lineup. One concern I did have last week, you know, although it's trending in the right way, you saw Tevin Coleman return and was involved again. Um, I thought hopefully they had realized they only needed two running backs. They seemed to still want to have this third running back rotating in there. And that can kind of sabotage the situation. So I do think it's a good matchup on paper and, you know, maybe a good DFS play. But if you can try to avoid playing him in your lineup, I probably wouldn't necessarily try to, you know, force him into it. Yeah. And then, of course, Corey Davis. I've talked about Corey Davis pretty much all season from this light. You're going to know when to play Corey Davis. If they're playing against a team that has a competent to good defense, don't play him. You can't play him. He's going to be outside. He's going to be my wide receiver. He's going to be my wide receiver four range, wide receiver five range in those games. But in this situation against Atlanta last week against Tennessee, he will be in my solid wide receiver three to high end wide receiver three range. And you can plug and play him in those games. This is one of those games. He comes in at wide receiver 25 for me. I am firing up Corey Davis with confidence this week, along with Jameson Crowder, who comes in at wide receiver 36 for me in half point PPR leagues talked about this the whole the whole year you saw they were still featuring you know Adam Gase is gone still featuring the slot wide receiver Braxton Berrios was getting you know almost double digit targets every single week I said when Crowder comes back that'll be his role what do you know he gets 10 targets last week seven receptions 61 yards and a touchdown James Crowder a very solid high floor not a high ceiling but a high floor play at a wide receiver three position where are you at on those two guys against the Atlanta Falcons yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think Corey Davis is a must-start this week if you have him. We love the matchup. Atlanta you know, has been featured against the past all year long, but they also have some injuries. They lost Oliver in the slot, so that definitely benefits Crowder, who is an obvious a guy that they want to utilize a lot. They love the slot receiver, seems like Latin Jets. You know, before him was Braxton Berrios, who's getting all the targets, so you have a, a more athletic, better player actually getting those targets than Jameson Crowder. Expect him to have a good game as well, so I think you can start both those receivers with confidence this week. Yeah, I mean – the Tennessee and Atlanta defenses showed up at the right time for the Jets because things were about to get really, really ugly in New York had they not gotten two nice matchups to finally look somewhat competent. And then last week, winding up winning the game because Tennessee had nobody uh, on offense left, but still wound up winning the game just just a nick of time because, look, we love Zach Wilson, but things were about to get real, real ugly real, real quick if they didn't start to show some sort of signs of life. And now we're talking about the Jets the following week where we got multiple players that are actually viable for fantasy purposes, believe it or not. Kind of weird the way the NFL changes from a week-to-week basis. Go over to the Atlanta Falcons, same thing. Matt Ryan actually enters uh, my streaming territory this week. He comes in at QB 14 for me. So if you're inside the top 16 quarterbacks, you are a streaming option. He makes that. He finally had a good game last week. I believe it was four touchdowns he had last week. So finally looked like Matt Ryan of old. Finally looked like he was competent without Julio Jones for the first time ever, I guess, at this point. point. And a lot of reason for that is, you know, Cordell Patterson. Who uh, Look, Cordell Patterson, I talked about this in recap. He goes against everything you're taught as a fantasy football analysis. All right. It just it goes against it all because 
you always talk about you want to do process over results. He is results over process because he's not getting utilized. He's still playing less than half the snaps of a Mike Davis. He's still not getting more than, you know, 10 carries in a game. But it's the combination of when he's on the field, he's getting the football. And somehow he's winding up in the end zone almost every time on top of it. So you have that combination of the two. Cordell Patterson against the New York Jets is my RV 12. He's an RV one for me this week. It feels gross, but right now you kind of just have to ride the hot hand. Do I think eventually teams are going to be key on that? Like, okay, Patterson's in the game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. We know where the ball is going and start to key on that. Yes, I do think eventually that is going to happen. Doesn't happen this week against the New York Jets because they're a terrible defense to begin with. I think we're talking about something that happens a few weeks from now. But that's also why, perhaps after this game, because I think we'll have a good game this game, obviously, I have him ranked at RB12, you sell high on this guy. Sell high while you can, because his value is never going to be higher. He might have one more good game, and I think we're going to start to see defenses start to adjust to some degree. Now, don't make it. I don't want to make it sound like I think Cordell Patterson is going to fall off a cliff, because that, that's not what I believe. He's too involved in the passing game in this offense that needs a check-down guy who's explosive to, to just completely fall off a cliff. That's not what I'm saying, but he's not going to continue to play at this RB1-like level. So that's why I'm telling you to sell high. Where do you add a Cordell Patterson, Chris? Yeah, I think this is a good matchup this week against the Jets. Um, you are pretty much living off of touchdowns right now with Cordell Patterson. You're not really getting any rushing yards. Um, he is involved in the passing game, which seems to be giving him a nice floor, especially for PPR leagues. The thing I would be concerned with him is that because it's so touchdown dependent and you have so many different guys who are kind of eating in the backfield, once we actually see Kyle Pitts become a part of this offense, I wonder how much value he's going to have long-term, like you said. And is it not best to kind of sell high if you can on Cordell Patterson? Because I don't think this can go on season long. Um, I do think right now he's a mismatch. I think he's a perfect flex play in most lineups. I think he's like ultimate flex play because you're going to get a little bit of something out of this guy no matter what. Um, so I think you definitely ride him this week. But long-term, you might look to see if you can sell high possibly because I can't see it being sustained this entire season. Yeah, to your point about the touchdowns, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, no one else is scoring. That's These guys have not been scoring touchdowns. That's going to change. That's not going to be the case all season long. So keep that in mind. Another thing that's interesting, Mike Davis comes in RB28 for me, so he is an RB3, he is a flex play this week against the New York Jets. He's still been getting most of the utilization. However, Wayne Gallman got involved last week. Mike Davis has been so incredibly inefficient it would not surprise me that in a week or two from now, we are looking at the Atlanta backfield and seeing Wayne Gallman and Cordero Patterson splitting the touches and Mike Davis is the odd man out if this continues on, especially against the New York Jets. Yeah, I think he has definitely has, you see kind of the leash on Mike Davis. I think one of the things, though, is while Wayne Gallman had a de- decent efficiency-wise, 
he's being used differently. And Mike Davis is kind of stuck in no man's land where when they run the ball, obviously he's that guy because the offensive line's not very good. It's that first down and 10, they run off tackle for one yard. He's kind of one who gets suffers as a result of it. He has been running hard. He has been catching the ball out of the backfield. He's been getting consistent targets. So you definitely don't want to necessarily just, you know, kick this guy to the curb. But it is kind of concerning because they're going to point out to the numbers efficiency-wise, particularly as yards per carry, and say, well, this guy's really struggling. But a lot of it's because look at the play calling. You see a lot of the Patterson, you see a lot of Goldman getting opportunities for the sweeps, the draws, the yards, the plays where they're going to get more yards off of versus a guy who's basically running into an eight-man front over and over again. Yeah, Calvin Ridley, he is my wide receiver six. You love the matchup. You love the targets. He'll find the end zone eventually. I'm not worried about it, even though he's been a little bit disappointed. I know for fantasy owners so far, this is a, an area where it's process over results. It's there. It's going to come, and it should come in this matchup against the New York Jets. Same thing goes with Kyle Pitts. He is my tight end six as well. Same, same idea. He's still getting the targets. He's still getting the routes run. It's a good matchup. The, the results, the product will get itself on the box score. I promise you soon, as long as they keep getting targeted the way that they are. And Atlanta's deep. The one good thing about this game is that while it's a crappy game from an NFL standpoint, fantasy-wise, it's great because you got two teams that have some offensive weapons and no defense. So you're actually going to have probably a little bit of an exciting start to your Sunday, uh, early 9.30 in the morning on, on the East Coast and 6.30 on the West Coast. But Chris, where are you at on Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, not just this game, but rest of season? Um, I think you definitely can look to start both of them this week, but long season term, I'm a little concerned for both of them. Calvin Ridley was drafted to be a clear receiver one for most people, and he's not really producing at that rate. And a big part of that is because he's not going down the field. Austin Smith seems to have this obsession with being a dink dunk offense. Now, you were encouraged last week. He actually had a 20-yard attempt to him. Matt Ryan, I think, attempted three or four passes over 20 yards, which is the first time all season long he's attempted those kinds of passes. So you have some really concerns that if they're not going to be aggressive with these guys – it's going to really severely limit their ceiling because this Atlanta offense isn't built to sustain drives over and over and over again. So for me, for Calvin Ridley, if you don't see something this week and he doesn't have some big yardage soon, I think it might be time to unload him. I, I would highly go against that because if you unload him, at, with that being the case, you're getting pennies on the dollar. Calvin Ridley's a better player than that. The target's still there. It'll come. And you saw him last week, Matt Ryan, I think they realize they do need to get more aggressive. And I think you saw a result of that a, a week ago. Uh, the Packers Cincinnati next game up. This game is actually kind of interesting. So Aaron Rodgers is my QB 12 and he's kind of along the same lines of a Russell Wilson. He's not throwing the ball that much. And even when Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are doing their thing from a fantasy standpoint, he's going for about 270 yards and two touchdowns and the Packers are still putting up almost 30 points. So it's kind of been hindering him a bit when it comes to fantasy points. On top of that, Cincinnati's defense, while is no world beater, don't get me twisted, but they have been better than expected. And I'm just kind of curious. Like, he's still QB1. I'm still starting him, but I don't have him in the top five, top six with that kind of upside going into this week. I actually think this game is going to turn into a shootout, particularly with Jerry Alexander out it for could. the Green Bay Packers. So I think there's going to be some scoring from Cincinnati's side, and I think Green Bay's going to have to match that. And Cincinnati doesn't really take away anything in particular. They have played better defense, but without Bates, their safety, you saw how vulnerable they are. And they're also, their corner was banged up last week versus Jacksonville. So you saw Trevor Lawrence have one of his better games. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a lot of pressure to deal with, a lot of guys that he can kind of use. And I think the key thing is Devontae Adams is going to be there for him to kind of eat. So I think Devontae Adams will be a reason that Aaron Rodgers has a good game because he's going to score some points. And I think he's going to be lighting it up in the air as a result of that. 
I just don't know if they'll have to. I get I'm, maybe because their defense is so bad that they will, and that's what you're hoping for. The game script that you're talking about right there with the shootout, that part I could understand. Uh, but that's going to be the real question because Aaron Jones could dominate this game. They could put up a bunch of points too. So that that's that's the other key part of that shocker alert. Uh, Aaron Jones, top three running back for me this week, and Devontae Adams, the number one receiver for me on the week. No surprises there. Robert Tanyan, I mean, look, if you want to keep streaming this guy, you can, but you are praying for a touchdown. And right now there are other tight ends who have more of a hot hand going into this matchup. So I am staying away from Robert Tanyan myself in this game. You have any other comments for any of the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I think Randall Cobb might be a, a, a crap uh, she throwed it out there with MBS out for the rest of the season or for a period of time. It looks like he might be the second guy because I don't see a second receiver really stepping up other than Randall Cobb right now. I wouldn't be thrilled to do it, but I also think that it's an option if you have no better options. And for DFS purposes, I think it might be something to think about. I didn't like his Rouse run or his target utilization. He just happened to fall in the end zone twice, which could go could be said for any uh, Packers player not named Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Yeah, it can you, happen from You time also to time. saw LaVisca Chenault really have very inefficient numbers until he played last week versus his defense. And I, uh, I think that when you look at Cincinnati's slot corner, they really just have him exposed this whole season. That's kind of why I'm leaning towards maybe throwing him out there. You saw DJ Chark get hurt and LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones get all the targets. That, that, that's what you saw. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just not, there's no reason in my mind to trust a Randall Cobb. There's a lot of other receiver options that I would go to before going to Randall Cobb. But we'll see how that plays out. Of course, everybody's going to be looking to see who can step up because we've been looking for years to see who can step up as a second receiver. And it's been no one. And it's all been Adams and Aaron Jones anyway. So I don't know if that really changes. On Cincinnati's side, to go with your point about the game script with, with the possible shootout, Joe Burrow is my QB 10 on the week. He is a QB 1. He is a must play for me. T. Higgins is supposed to be back this week. He comes in at wide receiver 32 for me. Uh, but he's going to have all of his weapons back with the exception of Joe Mixon, which I think actually plays the Joe Burrow's benefit. Cause are you really going to trust Samaja Perrine or Chris Evans or whatever combination they're thinking in their head, they are going to get in this matchup more than you would have a Joe Mixon. No, you're probably going to put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands that much more. And it's going to be a throw it around game with no Jared Alexander and a terrible green Bay Packer defense. This lines up for Burrow to be a QB one. Jamar, Jamar chase is a wide receiver, 14, a high end wide receiver two for me. Higgins is a wide receiver three. And then I have Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 42, but he has flex appeal, especially in full point PPR leagues, but wide receiver 42 for me and half point PPR because he just doesn't have the big play touchdowns that the other two have. And for him, you know, when T Higgins is out there on the field, his targets get cut down as well, which is what he has to live off of. But all Bengal players, a, a play for me, anything about them before I talk about the running back situation for them. Yeah, I agree with all that. The only thing I would consider, though, is if you're in a standard scoring league or half-point PPR, I might not go with Boyd because, as you talked about, when Higgins is healthy, he's not, right. he doesn't get the same amount of targets. He's definitely not utilizing the red zone. Yeah, sure. I, look, Samadja Perrine comes in at RB29. The expectation is that he will be the starting running back. Chris Evans might get worked in on passing downs. He's starting to already. But here's the one thing. They would only bring Chris Evans in if they knew – that the running back was running a route because they still don't trust him in pass protection. Uh, he's a rookie. He's a low-end rookie. So I wouldn't be surprised if Samaja Perrine actually does wind up playing a workhorse-type role because they trust him a little bit more in that pass protection situation. And as a result of that, he has to be at least an RB3 in a good match against the Green Bay Packers. I tend to think, because he's so inefficient throughout his entire career, that you're hoping for a touchdown. 
really to get that boost for fantasy purposes. But he's a running back getting volume in a good matchup. He comes in RB3 for me this week. Yeah, I think the matchup's the key. Uh, this defense has really struggled against the run, but I'm not a huge P. Ryan fan in general. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guy that they have to utilize a lot. They're not going to have the same reason to make sure he gets touches. I mean, there was even concern that Joe Mixon wasn't getting enough touches, at least in my book. Um, so I wonder how much. Well, it's not a passing game anyway. Yeah. So I wonder how much is going to be split in this situation here. I think he's definitely an RB3. He got some flex appeal, but I wouldn't you know, be super confident he's going to have to blow up game for this against his defense. Because I think Green Bay blitz a lot in this game because they can't get pass rush otherwise. So I'm wondering how much these backs are actually going to be utilized in the running game. No, he's a guy you plug and play in your lineup because you have to, not because you, you necessarily want to, and you can this particular week. Um, the update that we have for you on Joe Mixon is that they wanted him to practice yesterday. He didn't. It sounds like he did come out for stretches, though. It's still a low-grade ankle sprain. It's, it's very similar to the Dalvin Cook ankle sprain, which cost him a week, and then he was limited for a second week. It sounds like he'll be full go. Dalvin Cook, that is, full go this week. I think a similar timeline is in order for Mixon. I think he misses this game. I think there's a chance he's back next week. We'll have to see how, you know, how he's doing, how limited he'll be, if at all. And then by week seven, he'll be full go for sure. I think for him, because it, this game happened, this injury happened for him last Thursday, he had the little extra time. There's a chance that next week he could be full go. But I do think he misses this week, and he did not practice yesterday. We'll keep an eye on him. He's still more questionable than anything else at the moment, just to kind of give you an update there. All right, Chris, let's go back and do the bets for uh, the last two games. So we didn't talk about the London game. Jets, Falcons. I don't know. I don't really like betting on crappy teams, but I will take I will take the Falcons minus three in this game. The over-under set at 46. I'm not touching that. There's a wide range of outcomes as far as who decides to show up. But I do think the Falcons are the better team. I'll take them at minus three. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good bet. And then we have this game that we're talking about here with Green Bay and Cincinnati. Those lines right now, also a three-point line. Green Bay Packers, road favorites at minus three, over under set at 51 and a half. I would actually, this is a game that I would probably try to same game parlay. I would take the Packers minus three and the over on this matchup. Yeah, I think I would take the over on this matchup, but this isn't a game I would bet on either team so I could avoid doing so. I'm not, I don't have a strong vibe for either one definitely pulling it out. I still think the Packers are the better team. So that's why I'm going with them at minus three, but definitely on the over-under, and I like a same-game parlay there for that matchup as well. All right, let's dive into Detroit, Minnesota, keeping the North going. The North is strong in this show so far. Look, DeAndre Swift, I know last week, I talked about this on the recap show, so if you missed that, go back and listen, but I'm going to go through it here with you a little bit too. I know that it felt like we all got hoodwinked because all week long, all we heard was Dan Campbell talk about DeAndre Swift's going to be more involved. He's going to be more involved. He's going to get all these carries. Pretty much talking him up as if he was going to be the lead back. That didn't happen. He still was way more involved in the passing. He had five targets. Jamal Williams was not targeted once, and the route runs were way in favor of DeAndre Swift. Here's the other thing that was favored DeAndre Swift. Even though it didn't feel like it when you're watching the game, he played more than double the snaps of Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams just happened to get the carries in that game. So Swift was out there a lot. It was a weird game. Put it away. Swift still has that amazing floor because of how involved he is in the pass game, because of the way this offense has to function. We know he's a good ball carrier. He'll get his more carries into this week. I like the matchup against Minnesota. He comes in for RB 13 this week. Don't worry about last week. Erase that from your mind. 
Yeah, I, I think this is a situation where this guy's never going to get 25 touches with his with his coaching staff right now, but you expect that he's always going to have a solid floor because of his involvement in the passing game and his explosiveness. So I think he's definitely an RB2 out there this week. Great matchup versus the Vikings, who've been struggling against the run all season long. Can't cover anybody out of the backfield. So we know this offense runs through that backfield for Detroit. I think Switch is one of those guys who's going to be have, have a nice bounce back, get back game this week. And don't ignore Jamal Williams. I mean, he, he's an RB3. He's, he's RB35 for me this week. He, he's a guy who gets double-digit carries. He'll get some goal line touches. You can play him. And he does – typically, he's a little bit more involved in the passing game than he was a week ago. You can play him as an RB3 if you need to pretty much any given week, but I'd rather do it when I have a good matchup. And I look at the Minnesota Vikings as a good matchup for the running backs. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. I think he's a good solid flex play. I think you always kind of have the option with the guy who can be utilized with a nice floor, but also a decent ceiling with a touchdown involvement is an opportunity that he's going to get touches week in, week out. Now, TJ Hawkinson, he didn't practice yesterday, but the expectation is that he will go this week against Minnesota. I know he's had, after the hot start he had, he had two games in a row where he's been eh, mediocre in the box score, but pay attention to the utilization, pay attention to the targets. It's still been there. The, the, the targets are still there. Everything's still there. He's still the number one pass catcher in my mind on this team. TJ Hawkinson, my tight end four this week, and I'm not souring on him either. People who are you know getting skeptical, like, oh, can he, can he actually re- return? Yes, of course he can. The utilization is there. Uh, so I'm not worried about TJ Hawkinson. The only thing, you know, I'm not playing any of these guys, but I am still keeping my eye on St. Brown over Quintus Cephas. Quintus Cephas has been involved because he's playing that Tyra Williams role. That's fine. But Tyrone's going to come back eventually. The guy I think who could actually emerge and finally started to see him get more involved last week was St. Brown. Finally started to get the targets. That slot receiver typically is somebody Jared Goff likes to go to, especially the bigger slot receivers. I think he's starting to get himself more involved now. I'm not playing him this week or anything like that. It's not what I'm suggesting, but a sneaky pickup if you're looking for wide receiver help that I think could pay off for you and have one of those be like a high floor type of guy as we move forward potentially. Yeah, possibly. I also think that you've seen Raymond be used a lot utilized the last couple of weeks out of Detroit. So he's not there. He's a fluke. He's a dirty man. He's he's, a, I don't he's know. somebody that they've been targeting too. And talked about playing the slot. He has been playing a lot more of the slot as well. So it is a guy that I think if you're in PPR leagues, you can keep in your radar. I don't love either. I don't love any of the receivers, honestly. I don't no. think you pick up any of them. So, I mean, but if you're looking, you're desperate. I think he's also some guy you can kind of consider that maybe has another good week this week. You got to put him on your radar. I'm just paying attention because somebody I think is going to have to shake out some point and get heavily targeted uh, with the way this team is built. And I'm just going to kind of keep my eye on who that's going to wind up being right now. My money's on St. Brown moving to the Minnesota side. You're playing everybody you'd normally play. Kirk Cousins is my QB six Dalvin cook. I expect him to be a more full go. He practiced yesterday. Uh, I know he was limited he didn't play all the third quarter, but the most important thing you take out of last week is that, he came back. He didn't suffer a setback or anything of that nature. And he's got Detroit on the rocket docket this week. So play Dalvin Cook with confidence. He is my RB5. I expect him to go. And then, of course, Justin Jefferson, he's my wide receiver five. Adam Thielen's my wide receiver 20. Of course, you're playing them. The only question is Tyler Conklin. And Tyler Conklin and KJ Osborne are, are the key for the both of them. Because if, if one's involved, the other one's not going to be. Because there's only so many targets that go around in this particular offense. This is a game in which, believe it or not, even though the matchup will say Tyler Conklin's a great play, especially because he's had the hot hand, and I'm not going to be mad at you if you stream him this week, 
but they don't need a Conklin or a KJ Osborne to get involved to win this game and dominate this game. So I think that's why you stick to the stars in this matchup. I don't know if anybody else really gets sprinkled in or you can trust anybody else getting sprinkled in. You could take the shot, but that's all it would be. Yeah, I agree. I think that because you're going to see the, the prime guys be able to eat this week, there's not really a whole lot of meat left on the bone for those other guys. You know, Conklin gets still bones to touch them. Maybe KJ Osborne gets in a blown coverage or something like that scores. But you're not going to need to be heavily involved for Minnesota to be able to move the ball versus his defense. And I can imagine that Mike Zimmer just wants to get a win, so I could see them being more conservative offensively. And once they get up, kind of squeezing the clock and trying to get time off the clock and just kind of win it versus try to put up as many points as they possibly can. Yeah, Detroit right now, they are the NFC North get-right matchup. Chicago got right against them last week. Minnesota, I mean, they, Minnesota gets their win anyway, but they have to continue on and get back to 500. And that winning this game will be a big key for that as well. So this is a get-right matchups where your stars get involved. Here's a game that fantasy purposes... Actually, well, sorry. I keep getting ahead of myself. Chris, you got to stop me. You got to slap me. Say, hey, gotta do, gotta do the betting. Got to do the betting. Slap me upside the head. We got to win MD Nation some money here, man. So you're talking about Minnesota, Detroit. Obviously, uh, you want to bet on the Minnesota side. I don't know what else you can do for Detroit. <laughs> it is minus nine and a half line in Minnesota. Over under set at 49. Kind of like the over. Because the one thing about Detroit is that they've been able to put up enough points and give up enough points where there's been some high-scoring totals, and Minnesota's been scoring quite a bit on their own right. So I kind of like the over at 49, but my sure bet of the week will be Minnesota minus 9.5. Yeah, I like the Minnesota 9.5. It'll be interesting because you have two different, very different styles right now. Detroit likes to get as many plays off as they possibly can and is in the top five in pace. Any of the Vikings want to slow it down as much as you can, and they're in the bottom 25 in the pace. So it's going to be which kind of wins out in this game, and I think that's But they're efficient at scoring touchdowns, even though they're efficient. Yeah, they are efficient. Um, but you saw kind of last night, last week against that Cleveland game where they can get uglier and they can be kind of a, a slower pace game if they, if they get over to what they want in a sense. So yeah. it will be interesting to see the kind of the class of the Titans with the over under. But I definitely think the Vikings are who you bet on this week. Let's keep in mind that Cleveland game. Yeah, two offenses that just played terrible. Cleveland's a much better defensive team and they are also slower paced as well. So that game kind of lined up in that direction. I think it's going to be a little bit different in, in this one. Here's a game, though, that. I'm not very excited for on either side of the ball. That's Denver and Pittsburgh. Two good defenses. Well, the defenses, by the way, we play in leagues that have defenses um, in both of these matchups. Teddy Bridgewater did not practice yesterday. Now, I still have this thing ranked out as of right now that Bridgewater is going to be a starting quarterback on Sunday. Obviously, that changes. That's going to change my rankings on everybody on the Denver Broncos. But he did not practice yesterday and Wednesday, and that's usually not a good sign. If he's not able to practice at all today, you can pretty much guarantee he's not going to clear concussion protocol by Sunday. That's kind of what we've seen. That's what the pattern has pretty much been throughout this situation. So keep your eye on that. Now, assuming Teddy Bridgewater's the guy, we're going to have to go both ways here. Assuming Teddy Bridgewater's the guy first, I have Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 28, Noah Fant at tight end 14. First of all, it's still a good defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you can get the ball to the outside perimeter players. That's why Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver three for me that you can plug in, especially if Bridgewater is going to be the guy. I don't want to play Tim Patrick. I see this being a low scoring two coaches who like to play defense and slobber. Like this could be a 17, 14 or 14, 10. Like it could be somewhere in that range, most likely between these two teams. So I'm not super excited. Even Bridgewater plays, but Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver three for me. If he's out there and Noah fan, I think needs a touchdown to get inside the top 12. So what do you think about that? The two guys who I lean towards playing 
particularly if it's Locke, not or Bridgewater, even even or. But if it's Locke, I think you're going to have to play Court and Sutton, and you're going to have to play Noah Fant. You've seen them get targeted a lot once he came into the game. He wasn't very effective with it or very efficient, but he does target those two guys. You know, Locke kind of locks onto the first read, and I think that's where you see one of those two guys usually are that first read. So I think the volume will be there for either one of those guys. If not, you're going to see this offense kind of to your point. It's probably going to be a lower scoring game more than likely. So other than Sutton and other than Fant, there's not really a whole lot of guys I want to touch. Patrick has a chance to score in the red zone, but he doesn't get enough targets, regardless of who the quarterback is, to really be feel confident to have him out there. And his running attack is going to be kind of interesting to see because Pittsburgh can be pretty good against the run, although they get ran over last week against Green Bay. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds as well. Yeah, A.J. Dillon really wore them down in the fourth quarter. But that that has part... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. That wasn't on the defense. Now, you get you get the points either way, obviously. That wasn't on the defense. The defense was on the field that entire game, and that I think that had more to do with it than anything else. I don't know if they're going to be I don't know if Denver's going to be able to hold them on the field the way Green Bay was able to a week ago. So it might be a little bit different. And that reflects in my rankings when it comes to the running backs. Melvin Gordon's my RB31. Javante Williams is my RB39. Uh, so both kind of hovering around that RB3 flex territory for me. It's not a matchup I'm excited about, but you may not have a better option to throw in your flex than one of these two guys. Anyway, they can be in that consideration. But maybe if you have a guy who has a higher ceiling, I might go that route. Because again, I just I don't really love the matchup, especially when you have a 50-50 committee. The way this has been. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I can imagine this offense on both sides having a lot of three and outs. So I, I wouldn't be too confident about rolling out either one of those running backs. I do think they maybe reflects option. You're you're gonna pay attention a lot to see if Melvin Gordon does return to healthy. If he's not the play, I think Javante Williams is a must start. But I think as they continue to split the touches that they have been, you kind of flip your coin whether they might want to get them in your lineup or not. I'm telling you, man, 1410. I'm telling 1410. We go over the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh Oh, God. We were talking about this off air. Uh, ben Roethlisberger makes me want to cry watching him play football at this point because it's it's awful. It's un- ungodly awful. But uh, look, something's got to give in Pittsburgh. Either Matt Kanata has to actually take this offense into the 20, 20, 21st century like he was hired to do. And when I say that, I mean rub routes, motioning, getting mismatches, line guys in the field, using different formations. And on the flip side of that, and I said this to you, if it's if you can't go to different formations because Ben is so old, decrepit that he literally can't turn around and line up under center anymore, well then you gotta bench him if it's really that bad. I don't know if it's that bad, but if it's really that bad, then yes, you have to bench him in that standpoint. So the Steelers are an impasse right here. If they lose this game and they put up another, you know, seven to ten points, I feel like something's going to have to change heading into week six. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think with Ben, you know, hasn't played well at all. The offensive line has been putrid, and I'm really concerned about Matt Kanata. Not only using the motion rub routes, 
But this insistence on running on first and 10 every time is what's killing them. They're so predictable on offense. It's becoming, you know, a really, really struggling. So when you put Ben on third and seven, yeah, he's going to struggle because he's not mobile and off the line stinks. So you're putting him in situations where this guy isn't going to be as effective as you want him to be. Let him throw on first down. Let him have some opportunity to push the ball early in the downs. They just don't seem to have a clue offensively. They want to use Harris. That's obvious, but they're making it too obvious when they're going to use him. And I think that's where it's going to really have to change some kind of way for them to be, you know, they, they have weapons. And even if Ben's not Ben anymore, he can still get the ball. He can still be one-on-ones. It's just they're not setting up this guy for success in any kind of way. So I do think that rather it's going to be Ben being, you know, benched or they're going to have to make some kind of the changes to the offensive coordinator. Something has to give soon because they can't keep playing this way. Here's what I will say. I think Mike Tomlin has too much love and respect for Ben to bench him. So if anything, Matt Canada will either be made to scapegoat or be told you need to switch it up and do something different. So I think that'll happen first before a Ben Roethlisberger benching would happen. Uh, just to kind of you know give my two cents on it, just logically speaking. As far as fantasy purposes go, Najee Harris comes into my RB9. While, yes, it's so predictable, and I feel so bad for Najee in the way that they use him, he still gets all the volume, so he's still great for fantasy because he's getting, I mean, he's getting targeted like a wide receiver out there. Why? Because when you got Chase Claypool banged up and Juju Smith-Schuster, who he's out there, but he's not 100%. Claypool didn't practice again yesterday. There's a good chance he misses this week again. So you're going to have a lot of target share consolidation to Deontay Johnson, maybe Schuster if he's actually a little more healthy, and Najee Harris. So because of that, he comes in even in a tough match against the Denver Broncos at RB9 for me. Do you have any concerns about Najee moving forward or just because he has the volume, he'll just continue to be an RB1 no matter what? No, I think the volume saves him regardless. I think because whether or not they're able to run the ball or not, they still throw him the ball enough to keep his floor there. And he's always going to be their primary guy that they use in the red zone. Not really rotating any other back in there. So to me, this is probably the most obvious RB1 you can have in your backfield because you have no worry about anybody else stealing any of his touches. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty about fantasy football when it comes to the running back position when you get a guy like this. It's not something you want to watch. I don't want to watch Najee Harris play football, not not because of him, but because of that offensive team. I don't want to watch it because I'm going to be like, oh, God, get past the line of scrimmage. It's such a hard time. But you're going to be fine at the end of the day. Same thing goes for Deontay Johnson. Now, he comes at wide receiver 31 for me this week just because he has a lower floor uh, against the Denver Broncos here in a matchup where I just don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. So it's going to be questionable if he gets a touchdown or not. This we kind of boost him into that wide receiver two territory. But you know he is a threat to get double-digit targets every single week, especially with Chase Claypool out. But, that I mean, that's the only guy Ben Roethlisberger wants to go to right now. Well, yeah, I just want to say Claypool was limited in practice yesterday. Oh, but, sorry, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Deontay Johnson is a guy that you're, is, is obvious in the receiver one on that team. There's no longer Juju, it's Deontay. There's a guy who move around. Ben loves to throw it to this guy. And I also think that you saw this Denver defense, while it is good, get a little exposed last week versus the Ravens. You can attack the secondary. You can throw the ball. Marquis, you know, Brown had a nice game. He was if you're willing to throw it downfield. If you're willing, well, yeah, if you're willing to throw the ball downfield. Then just <laughs> throw it in general. I think you can spread them out and kind of attack them a little bit. So I do think Deontay Johnson is a good play this week. And would be a high, definitely one of the receivers I'd be starting in my lineups. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Schuster, let's say Clay pulls out and there's, you know, target consolidation. I don't know if I'm playing Schuster. I still got to see him, one, be fully healthy and be out there. But two, I mean, he, he has, talk about a guy who has to have volume. I mean, he doesn't catch the ball more than five yards past the line of scrimmage anymore. And, and, and that might not be his fault. But again, it, it doesn't matter. That's what we're looking at right now as far as utilization goes. I don't have Schuster anywhere near a playing option for me this week, even if Claypool's out this week. 
Yeah, I had a percent of him. He was out last week, and he saw James Washington have more yards than he did. So I, I have no faith in Juju and his offense. And I think that Pittsburgh actually should try to trade this guy if they can. It's really sad that the Pittsburgh Steelers have melted down to fantasy-wise. You only like Harris and Deontay and nobody else. I know it's a tough matchup, but man, oh man, that's where we are with these guys. Betting-wise, I'm I'm not going to touch this game. Maybe I bet the under, which, believe it or not, is at 39 and a half. It's the lowest over-under on the year, and I still would probably bet the under. Uh, it's pretty much a pick game as far as that goes. Steelers minus one, the Denver plus one. Uh, I would guess I would lean the Steelers because I don't think Drew Locke can beat the Steelers if it's going to be Drew Locke out there, but I'm not going to touch that. I'm actually going to bet the under. Yeah, I don't want to touch this game at all. I think this is going to be one of the uglier games and go either way. And I, I do think Pittsburgh needs to win more, so that makes me feel like I should want to go with them. But I, I don't think they're the better team necessarily, so I wouldn't touch this game if I could avoid it. It's going to be ugly, ugly, ugly football. Let's get a word from our sponsor real quick. Come back on the other side. We still have more games to talk about on the early slate on Sunday on week five. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show whenever you get the chance. And, of course, follow us after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker. And we'll be on tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Talking about the early preview games here. We talked about the Thursday night game, some of the early slate games, the London game. Now we have more games to talk about. Joined here with Chris Dowhower. Chris, Miami, Tampa Bay, the Battle of Florida. Kind of, I guess. I feel like it's going to be a little one-sided, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll see. Look, let's talk about the Dolphins in general quick. Does this team really change when Tua Tagovailoa comes back? I think it might have slight improvement, but not really. I think this coaching staff is doing a horrible job, particularly offensively. They're not putting playmakers in the seat. They seem to have no idea what they want to be as an identity. Their offensive line is atrocious. And then on top of it, you have this carousel in the backfield where they can never get anybody in a rhythm. I just think this offense has just got too many things that they're trying to do versus just focusing on what they do good. And I don't think two is going to save that. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, they, they might be more aggressive. Obviously, he's better than Jacoby Brissett. But, yeah, they have no identity. When you're an offense that has no identity, it doesn't matter if you have good players, bad players. You're going to stink. Find your identity. And, by the way, your identity is not Malcolm Brown. Uh, you know, spoiler alert. 
I, I don't know what that was a week ago where all of a sudden, oh, Miles Gaskins getting five yards a carry, and he's definitely the most talented and most efficient back. And well, eh, we're going to give Malcolm Brown, you know, more than 60% of the snaps. Like that was, in, that was absurd last week. So Miles Gaskin, I, I hit this in the recap show. If you missed it, I want to hit it again. Prepare to be flushed. I may not be rushing out to drop him based on you know what you have, but if you need a roster spot, he's a guy you can drop. Because even when he was the lead guy, he still wasn't getting the ball enough anyway. Yeah, I mean they have they haven't utilized this guy most of the season. So I'm with you. I think this is a guy that you know you're not looking necessarily want to drop, but if you have needed something else, you need to add somebody, especially with somebody's injuries starting to come up in the backfield where you can maybe add a guy on waivers, it might be the guy you're moving on from because he just isn't producing. And, you know, and it could quickly go back the other way because if they actually commit to Miles Gaskin, we, we know what he could do. He can be an efficient running back, but just until that point, the value's lost. The value's gone. In fact, Will Fuller goes on the IR, and the only good thing about, I mean, it's a shame for Will Fuller. He has not been able to get his season off at all this year, but the only good thing about it is that, okay, now we go back to target consolidation, the Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, who was limited in practice, but he's expected to play. And uh, to some degree, Mike is sicky. We'll talk about him in a second. But Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker, I have them both as mid-level to high-end wide receiver threes. Because, again, Tampa Bay, I mean, their top corner right now, Carlton Davis goes down last week. Their top corner is Richard Sherman, who's been in the building for a week and a half. At this point, or oh, actually a week now, will be a week and a half come Sunday. And, uh, you know, he's still getting acclimated, obviously. But, yeah, so I have Parker at wide receiver 24. I have Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 30 this week. You can you can play them. Yeah, I think Parker's a guy I like a bit more than you have him ranked higher. Touchdowns. The guy, yeah. I, the guy, I like he actually gets down the field a little bit, does get some touchdowns. I absolutely despise how they're using Jalen Waddle right now. PPR purposes, it's just fine. You like him, but if you're a standard league or half point PPR, you gotta be frustrated because even if this guy gets volume, he's not getting any yards or any touchdowns. So it's really, I really have a kind of a hard time trying to justify getting in my lineup in those leagues. But Devontae Parker has got a lot of upside. Talk about the secondary, how banged up it is in Tampa Bay. You're gonna imagine the Dolphins are gonna have to score points. So that is a guy who I definitely like to ride. And Gasecki seems to be a favorite of Jacoby Brissett. So as long as, as long as he's the quarterback, then you ride Gasecki as long as you can. Yeah, that's why I said I was going to talk about him in a second because his his whole thing is Brissett. When Brissett, as soon as Brissett taken, took over, Gasecki has been consistently targeted. He is tight end eight for me this week. So you can continue to play him against Tampa Bay. It's a good matchup for any pass catcher. First of all, I expect Tampa Bay to win this game by a couple of scores. So I expect Miami, game script-wise, to be coming back from behind. They're, you're not going to be able to run the football on Tampa Bay. Anyway. No one can. You're definitely not going to do it if you're the Dolphins this week. That's for sure. So I expect a lot of pass attempts. So volume-wise, all these guys become fantasy-relevant. Now, when Tua comes back next week, which is what we expect, and everyone pretty much in the Miami camp says he's definitely going to be back in full next week, then I'm going to jump back off the Mike Kosicki train because we haven't seen him target him consistently. But we'll go back to the wide receivers, and we'll monitor that. Maybe that changes. Because the other thing you have to keep in mind about week one, it wasn't just because Tua was the quarterback that he didn't get utilized. He, didn't, he, he was the second tight end snaps that week. That hasn't been the case since. And with Will Fuller now being on the IR, I think there's a chance they continue with how they've been utilizing Gusecki moving forward. So we have to wait and see, but I'm just, I'm not going to be super confident about it once Brissett's off the field just yet. Just kind of looking at this rest of the season. I don't know if you have any comments for that. No, I just, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So 
Let's go to Tampa Bay side, which is much more exciting. Uh, yes, Miami has a good defense. There's no doubt about that. They do. And yes, they're going up against Brian Flores, who has that Patriot history of going up against Tom Brady and making him look mortal. I think the rain and the return to England last week had more to do with it than anything else going on. He should have had a better game. Tony Brown should have caught a touchdown. And because Miami, they're kind of in a similar situation to Pittsburgh we talked about, where their defense is on the field so much that eventually they just wear down because the offense can't sustain drives. And because of, as a result of that, the opposing offense gets extra possessions, and we know Tampa Bay is going to throw the ball primarily. So Tom Brady comes in my QB9. I am long way of saying I am not worried about Tom Brady, even in this matchup. He's a QB1. Yeah, I have to agree with that, especially if Byron Jones, who's been banged up, doesn't play. I think it's going to expose the secondary. Um, you can definitely attack them in the slot. You can definitely attack them with your backs out of the backfield. So this Dolphins defense, while it's pretty solid, the secondary isn't a shutdown by the shutdown secondary by the stretch of the means. The person you're really worried about is who's going to get um, Howard, who's going to be matched up with him predominantly. Is he going to is he going to try is he going to be following somebody around? Um, but if if like I said, if Jake if you don't have Byron Jones out there on the other side, I think Tom Brady could have a huge game because the Dolphins really don't have a that's really how you get him beat. Agree. Breaking news. Sorry for hitting that button a little bit early there. Uh, Antonio Gibson is out there in individual drills. I want to update that because he was very. They say there was two different reports. He was either very limited yesterday or he didn't practice yesterday, depending on which beat writer you were looking at. But he is out there doing individual drills, dealing with some kind of shin injury. For all, for you know, as far as we know, there was no setback in the game. He was able to go last week. So I just want to update everybody there as that practice report came out. Continuing on with Tampa Bay, with, with Gronk out, it does give a little more target consolidation to your three receivers. Talk about this, you know, who's Howard going to shadow? What's it? I don't know if it matters. You got to play all three of these Tampa Bay wide receivers. The only one I have in question this week because of my ranking is, is Antonio Brown. I have him at wide receiver 39. Uh, but I feel like if you have Brown, you're playing him as a wide receiver three. You're playing him as a flex play every single week in a high-volume passing offense where it could be his week or Godwin's week or Mike Evans' week or two out of the three any given week, no matter what the matchup is. But a lot of confidence in Mike Evans at 23. A lot of confidence in Chris Godwin getting back to being what he's been most of this year, which is the lead guy, uh, actually, believe it or not, of this wide receiver group. I have met wide receiver 13. Again, I think the slot is going to be the most vulnerable position for the Miami Dolphins. That's primarily where he's been playing. So I'm playing all three. A lot of confidence is Godwin is a high-end wide receiver two. Mike Evans, a low-end wide receiver two. Antonio Brown as a low-end wide receiver three flex play. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that you kind of pointed out the guy who should be had the best matchup, and that's Godwin. I think he's definitely the one you want to have out there if you can get started in your starting lineup. These are all three of them if you can. Now, I talked about this earlier in the show. Gene Maya Bernard returns to practice today in a limited capacity. We'll see. He'll, I think he'll still be questionable whether or not he plays. If he doesn't, and I rank this out as if he wouldn't, Leonard Fournette is RB17 for me on the week. I, where, where, where's the cheering button? Where's the cheering button? We finally had something shake out in the Tampa Bay backfield, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this is what we talked about heading into the season. They were all on our bus list because if they kept eating into each other like it was looking like they were going to and like they did last season – you can never trust his hand running back. But Ronald Jones put himself so far into the doghouse, I think he's actually six feet under at this point. Leonard Fournette 
is now the lead ball carrier. And when Bernard's not playing, the lead pass catcher. We have a workhorse back in Tampa Bay on a high-scoring offense. It's unbelievable. It finally happened. And as a result, he's a mid-level RB2 for me in this matchup against the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm not as, quite as excited and confident that you are that we finally figured it out. I love for that. I'm so happy. Um, I'm happy that he had a good game last week. I do think that that had a lot to do with Gio not being involved in his offense. And when he's not involved and he's not playing, you do see that Fournette definitely is the guy they want to utilize in a passing game over Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones still scored a touchdown last week, still had decent amount of carries. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he's necessarily just going to go away. But I do think this is a great matchup for Leonard Burnett. The Dolphins haven't been atrocious first run all season long. So Jonathan Taylor have a great game last week and get back on track. There's no reason Leonard Burnett should have a good game this week as well. Cameron Brait comes in at tight end 16 for me. You can consider him as a streaming tight end in that range if you want to. He's a nice handcuff to have if you were the Rob Gronkowski owner. He did get six targets last week. He ran the most routes. O.J. Howard is out there to be the blocking tight end clearly at this point. I uh, just don't expect the same level of production, obviously, with Gronk. They clearly don't have the same type of chemistry. And there's other the receivers you have to feed still. But in a high-volume offense like this, he can be a streaming option for you, uh, especially until Gronk is able to get back. Now, when we look at betting on this game, when we look at Tampa Bay, we look at the Miami Dolphins here, it's a big, big line. And it should be. Minus 10 for Tampa Bay. I think it's about right. Again, I said two scores at least. I think they win by in this matchup over under set at 48. I am not scared off by the big line in this one. I think they went by two touchdowns rather than just two scores. I am taking Tampa Bay minus 10 at home against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, it's always interesting in the NFL that people cover these, these kind of big spreads, but I do think that the yeah, Tampa Bay should be favored by double digits. And I do think they should be able to pull it out. Um, as for the over under, I think this game's got more of a chance to go over than that. I think we talked about the secondary in Tampa Bay. While the Dolphins' offense is pretty putrid, they're going to score some points. So I wouldn't be surprised if the over is something to bet on. Yeah, 10, 17 tops, maybe. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. So it's our next matchup. We have the Saints, Washington, two teams that have a lot of questions that need to be answered. And we'll start on the defensive side of the ball just, just briefly. I know that's not fantasy wise, but it, I think it has to be addressed. What Saints defense are you going to get? Because they seem to be on an every other week pattern here when they want to show up. It doesn't really seem to matter who's healthy, who's not, as far as that goes. Last week, didn't play all that great against the Giants, gave up 400 passing yards to Daniel Jones. But the week before, we're completely a shutdown, vaunted defense. So it's just a matter which one are you going to get against Washington? I, and again, on Washington's side of the ball, the same thing. That defense, I mean, look, we talked about this in the offseason, Chris. We talked about the, how we didn't think Washington's team was going to be as good as everyone thought they were going to be because that secondary was vulnerable, and that has played out that way. However, that defensive line should be a heck of a lot better than what it is at the same time. They have a lot of questions to be answered. You're going up against the Saints, who have been a putrid offense. You didn't, you didn't come through against Atlanta last week. If you cannot put up a good defensive performance against the Saints this week, Ooh, raise the alarms. Washington's going to be there in the top 10 draft picks next week or next year. Yeah, I already sounded the alarm. I think the Atlanta gave you everything you wanted to see that yeah. this Washington defense isn't for real. That 100%. So that those are the things we're going to be watching as far as like an NFL standpoint. From a fantasy standpoint, the Saints are the same. I mean, Alvin Kamara is my RB4. Uh, the only You miss the targets, but the good thing is he's getting plus 20 carries a game. He's a stud. He'll find a way to get 100 yards. 
I'm not worried about Taysom Hill, you know, always stealing touchdowns from Alvin Kamara. I think it's getting blown a little bit out of proportion this week. So I've been hearing like, oh, well, now you have to worry about Taysom Hill and then blah, blah, blah. He has two touchdowns. Yeah, I, it's going to happen from time to time. That doesn't mean Kamara never sniffs the end zone again. So everybody get a grip. He's a t- he's a RB4. He's fine. But you still can't play anybody else. Now, here's what I want to talk about the Saints moving forward. You have an opportunity here to buy low on Michael Thomas. I know this offense doesn't look very good. I think part of that reason is they clearly, Sean Payton at least, does not trust anybody in this wide receiver group. And that's why he's been so vanilla in his offensive play calling, not taking shots and just telling Jameis, just don't lose the game. Just don't lose the game for us. And that's how we're going to play. When Michael Thomas gets back in the mix, I think they're going to reformulate an offense where they're going to centralize Thomas and Alvin Kamara and move forward that way. If Thomas is back and healthy, let's say week seven, you have a chance to buy low on him now. Because if you have an owner in your team who's been stashing him, but they're one and three, oh and four, maybe even two and two, and they haven't been scoring a lot of points, I think you can buy low on him at this moment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Yeah, I think that Michael Thomas is somebody you'd love to have for your team, especially for the playoff stretch. Um, as to the receiving core, we talked about not touching anybody this week. I'm not just down on that. I think Callaway showed some life the last two weeks. He had a touchdown the week before, had 70-something yards, only had two catches the last week. I think the team's going to have to throw the ball a bit more versus the defense, and I don't love the risk in the defense in general. So I do think there's a guy I would take a flyer on. I wouldn't touch anybody else in the passing game, but I do think Callaway is somebody I would take a flyer. And you talk about Kamara, he is their offense basically right now. Jameis, just forget about it. Uh, first of all, you got to put a dollar in a jar because he didn't say Washington football again. Oh, so the, the jar is going up, going up, going up because Chris can't handle it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, Deontay Harris has been more targeted than Marquez Callaway, and I don't want to touch either one of them because they are so Jekyll and Hyde on an offense that doesn't throw the ball more than 25 times to begin with and not very good wide receivers. We've seen this all season long, even when they've had good matchup, a la the Green Bay Packers, when Winston threw five touchdowns in this game, Still couldn't get the wide receivers really that involved in that matchup. I'm not touching these guys, even with on paper, what looks like a plus matchup. There's a lot of better options to go with. Uh, on Washington's side, oh, Juwan Thompson does come in as a streamable tight end because he's consistently getting touchdowns. I wouldn't want to trust it, but he's as touchdown boomer bust tight end as really anybody else in that range you're talking about. Just want to mention him real quick. On Washington's side, uh, I'm not going to play Heineke in this game, obviously, against the Saints. It's a good team. But you stick it with Terry McLaurin. He comes at wide receiver 11 for me. He gets highly targeted all the time. Logan Thomas, I expect, will miss this game with the hamstring He's out injury. He's out for Oh, you know what? You're right. I did see that, actually. I did see that injury update. Thank you. He is a, yeah. He's out for the next four weeks. So McLaurin gets more target consolidation. Curtis Samuel showed last week they're still not 100% ready to immerse him back into the offense. He's still got to get back in game shape. So 
McLaurin's your safety net, even if he's going up against Marshawn Lattimore, I still expect him to be a low-end wide receiver one. Antonio Gibson, we just talked about him. He is out there practicing. He is expected to play. He's my RB14, but I am a little bit worried about him having a bit of a floor game here because he continues to not be involved in the pass game. In fact, he's only had two targets in every game with the exception of week five so far this season. And against the Saints, you have to catch the ball to have a floor because typically speaking, you're not going to have much success on the ground. So I'm a little bit worried about Gibson having a floor game, but there's still, because his offense is consolidated around, you know, the running backs and Terry McLaurin, he still comes in at RB14 for me. Yeah. I mean, there's yards to be had. We did see Daniel Jones for 400 yards versus Saints defense last week. So it is, it is something you can get some numbers on this team. That Having said that, for me, I'm not really touching anybody in the Washington offense except for McLaurin, Gibson, and Neil McKissick. Those are three guys I think you can feel confident maybe playing. The rest of them, I think, are crapshoots because, as we saw, Chris Seam was going to kind of be a hit-or-miss player in this offense. They don't throw to the third receiver at all. And I think they're still kind of revolved around just those three players. So that's the only guys I have any confidence kind of going with. Yeah, McKissick continues to be a guy that you can take a shot on in your flex um, because the Saints don't have a vaunted offense right now, I don't know if this is guaranteed a McKissick game script. So that's why he's not going to enter my top, you know, RB3 range that he would necessarily in, uh, against other matchups. But still a guy that if you're in PPR, sometimes that can happen. Uh, well, the reason let's, I, go ahead. I was going to say, the reason I think McKissick's a good play is if you look at the Saints defense, their backs in the backfield have really basically slaughtered them. Saquon had a nice game last week as well in the receiving game. You can definitely, it's hard to run on the Saints. It's not hard to throw the ball to your running backs versus the Saints. That's why I think McKissick has a chance to have a good game. I don't disagree, but the way McKissick gets utilized is on third and longs and two-minute drill. I don't know if those situations def- – they might, but I don't know if they definitely pop up against the Saints here. You actually could see Antonio Gibson maybe get a little bit more involved in the pass game because the throws might come more on first and second down when he's actually out there on the field. So that that's where I go back and forth where the game script, I think, matters. Um, but I, you're, you're definitely not wrong. If this game turns into they got to throw the ball, that's why I said McKissick's still a, 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 a shot to take as a flex play. Uh, this game, believe it or not, the Saints are minus two road dog favorites. Uh, Washington's plus two at almost even money. Over-under set at 44. I'm probably not going to bet this game. Yeah, I think you avoid this game too. Yeah, it's, it's, there's too many different directions it can it can go in. So let's go to Dallas and I'm sorry, not Dallas, Philadelphia and Carolina. You're playing Jalen Hurts. Let's get the obvious out of the way. Even when he doesn't play well from an NFL standpoint, he still gets you you know 20 plus fantasy points because he's going to find a way to get you with his legs. So he comes at a QB eight for me, even though Carolina's defense has been pretty good up until this point. Devonta Smith is my wide receiver 29. He continues to be a wide receiver three based on volume, but even when J.C. Horn went down. They still have done a pretty good job against perimeter-wide receivers, so there is this is not an easy matchup. Stephon Gilmore is not going to play this week, in case anybody was wondering. He's still technically on the pop list, so he can't return until after week six. But this has been kind of tough. There, The volume will keep him as a wide receiver three. I just don't necessarily expect the big ceiling game that we got, You know, let's say, last week against Kansas City. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, this Carolina defense is a little bit overrated. They really didn't play anybody their first three weeks. They did play Dallas last week, and you had the receivers not really do a whole lot. But part of that was because Dallas was running the ball down the throat all day long. So I do think the Eagles can run the ball if they want to. 
it's just going to be really interesting to see do they try to because it has not been their MO for the last few games. Miles Sanders and the rest of the offense could be utilized pretty well against this Carolina team, I think. But if they go out there and try to throw the ball all the time, they're going to struggle because their pass protection hasn't been up to par and they haven't had, you know, you, you've seen Carolina be able to get pressure. They got that four or five times last week. So you definitely have an issue for Jalen Hurts if he's going to get hit left and right. So for me, the receivers, Devonta Smith is a guy I'd run out there, not really starting anybody else in the passing game. I would love to start Goddard, but the way they're using him with Hurts, Hurts, you really can't bank on either one of those guys to kind of be productive. So for me, it's I think it's Devonta Smith, and you're going out with Gainwell, and you're going to go out with uh, Jalen Hurts. The rest of his offense, I just think is too to be determined in so many different ways. Yeah, the running back situation is crazy. I got Miles Sanders at 27 and Gainwell at 36. I'm probably gonna, I might wind up flip flopping that. I, I don't know. They they just refuse to use Miles Sanders. I mean, absolutely refuse to use him. He won't, he won't out-target Kenneth Gainwell. That much has been made clear so far this season. They love Gainwell too much in that area. And apparently, he's not allowed to touch the ball more than 10 times in a game either. Look, we're not Miles Sanders fans, in generally speaking, but he's better than this. He deserves more of a chance than this. And this is crazy, the way they're utilizing this running. First of all, the running game is not a thing in Philadelphia. And, and I, guess it continue, I guess it won't be, as long as Nick Serini counts RPO calls as rushes, whether they are or not. So, Miles Sanders, I don't know how you trust him at all. And, again, like, I have an RB3 because he's technically a starting running back in the NFL, I suppose. But I don't know how you trust him. You can find a better option. I plug and play him in. And I might be flip-flopping him and Gainwell as we get closer to Sunday because I think Gainwell, at least you know, he's going to be involved in the passing game and get utilized in that way. As a result, he has more of a floor. Yeah, I tend to agree. And like I said, if you see that this team's not running the ball, that they should be early downs and they're throwing the ball, it's going to be a lot of third and longs, and it's going to be where Gainwell gets his yardage for you. Uh, Goddard, Zach Ertz, they, you can stream them. And the, but guess what? They're both equal because they're both getting utilized exactly the same target-wise. Uh, so it's a shame we wanted Goddard to be the guy. They're both streamable tight ends, depending on who you have available to you because the targets are still revolving around those two, Devonta Smith and then you know Kenneth Gainwell out of the backfield. On Carolina's side, Sam Darnold, QB 15. He's a streaming quarterback. As a result, Philadelphia's defense has not been very good, especially against the pass. And they've looked good. And apparently, he's a goal line back, an RPO action. Uh, go figure. Five touchdowns. Five rushing touchdowns for Sam Darnold. Yeah, that's totally what we all would have predicted. Chris McCaffrey might be back. He, uh, he, he actually practiced in a limited capacity yesterday. He's expected to practice again today. If he doesn't have a setback, it looks like he might return after one week. Yeah, I think that's going to be the key to how I feel about the rest of this offense. I think if Christian McCaffrey wins and comes back, I should say, I think Carolina's offense is going to look good. If he doesn't play, I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle. They struggled versus Dallas until that fourth quarter. They want to put in a point, but most of that was garbage time point, garbage time, and when Dallas was playing a previous defense. So I would think that there's an opportunity for the Eagles defense to kind of have get, a get-right game, so to speak, if Christian McCaffrey's not out there. If Christian McCaffrey plays, we've seen his defense has been a run-funnel defense all year long. So he's going to have a big game if he comes back this week. Yeah, 100%. He comes in RB7 for me because I'm just erring on the side of caution that he might not be fully unleashed his first week back off a hamstring injury. So you might see Hubbard be mixed in a little bit more than he typically would be and things of that nature. Let's say say we get to the end of the week and they decide they want to have McCaffrey sit out one more week out of precaution and Hubbard rolls in as a starter. What we saw last week, unfortunately, for people who picked up Hubbard and had, you know, Mike Davis level expectations is that apparently Rodney Smith is going to be the third down back and they're not going to give Hubbard the full work. So that really cuts him down. So even if McCaffrey misses, he's nothing more than a low end RB2 in this game. 
the touchdown thing with Darnold, I, I feel is very fluky. I'm not worried about that. Like he's going to get vultured all the time by Darnold necessarily. I think he'd had those opportunities. He did have, he was in the red zone uh, last week. Royce Freeman's not a thing. So we don't worry about that, but surprisingly enough, especially considering Hubbard's skill set, it it seems as though they're, they're not going to allow him or at least, Generally speaking, he's not going to be the guy on third and longs and two-minute drills. It looked like that was going to be Rodney Smith there. So you kind of have to temper your expectations if it is Hubbard. Uh, as far as wide receivers go, DJ Moore, wide receiver seven for me, did great against Diggs. I know Diggs got banged up a little bit last week, but he did great against Diggs even when he was out there. And uh, all the targets are funneling to him. Darnold loves him some DJ Moore. Even when they try to get Robbie Anderson involved, they can't connect. So you love DJ Moore here moving forward. A- anything about the wide receiver core of Carolina you wish to comment on? No, I think the DJ Moore is the only guy you can definitely play this week. I think the rest of this receivers is definitely concerning. You saw Terrence Marshall actually fighting for time, which you thought might be a sleeper guy going into the season. But he's actually splitting time in the slot. Um, and Roddy, Robbie Anderson, we warned you all offseason that the Sam Darnold him connection wasn't real. Wasn't and we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing it right now play out in front of us. Even though they, the squeaky wheel got to the targets last week, it didn't pay off fantasy-wise. No, I don't expect it to this week either. Look, he still might catch a bomb here and there because that's his skill set, uh, but it's nothing you can trust, nothing you can play. As far as betting this game, Chris, this is another game I'm probably not going to touch. Maybe I will. I don't know. Over-under set at 45. Carolina is at minus 3.5 against the Eagles. Anything you touch in there? If McCaffrey plays, then I'm not touching the game. If he doesn't play, I'm betting on the Eagles. Ooh, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. If McCaffrey doesn't play, though, expect that line to change as well. So kind of keep your eyes on that as we move closer to uh, Sunday. Let's talk about Tennessee and Jacksonville. So let's talk about the good news first. A.J. Brown practiced in limited capacity yesterday. So maybe there's a chance A.J. Brown at least suits up. Julio Jones did not. He did not practice yesterday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So maybe Ryan Tannehill has at least one wide receiver. If he has at least one wide receiver, you can play Tannehill as a guy who can finish in the top 12. I've rated this out for now as if neither one of them will play until we hear more. Because honestly, personally, I thought A.J. Brown wouldn't come back to week six. I'd be a little bit surprised he came back in week five. So I am at QB 17, even though it's against Jacksonville. Because we saw what happened. He had the match against the Jets. And it was just, it made it clear you got to actually have legitimate wide receivers to be good as a quarterback, no matter what the defense is that you're playing. Apparently. You had the time to throw the ball, too. When Jets and looked like all pros on defense last week. Yeah, that, that is the other key point as well. Obviously, Derrick Henry is the number one running back. So the only question is going to be, A.J. Brown, if he plays, do you play him with confidence? I would. I think that he's got a great matchup. You haven't really seen the Jags stop anybody with their secondary um, and the Jags also like to play with pace. So they're one of the teams that gives you opportunity to have plenty of plays on the other side of the field. So I think Tennessee, they can get some opportunities. A.J. Brown just needs volume. I think he's, he's bound, if he's healthy uh, enough to be out there, I think he's up enough to produce for you. I roll him out with confidence. Breaking news. Joe Judge saying today will be a ramp-up day for Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. So today will most likely dictate if one or two or either will be available 
uh, for this Sunday. So something to kind of keep your eyes on there. Uh, yeah, and if Brown plays, again, Ryan Tannehill comes somebody who could potentially be a top-12 quarterback for me. Again, on Jacksonville's side, Trevor Lawrence comes in at my QB 21, but if he continues to run like he did against Cincinnati, his fantasy value will finally come up to what I expected it to be, which is a high volume and actually utilizing his legs a little bit. Urban Meyer, the only thing he's gotten right since he's been a Jaguars head coach is that he told Lawrence he needs to use his legs more. That, that's the only thing he's gotten right. We finally got to see it on Thursday night. That needs to continue before I can trust it. But he's a deep sleeper for me against this Tennessee defense because of how bad they are, maybe even a DFS play. But for redraft, I think you still probably have better options you're going to be able to go to. James Robinson is my RB12 this week. And now I know Carlos Hyde wound up being a late inactive last week, which ensured that he was going to be the workhorse guy. But even if you go back to the week before, it still looked like they were finally realizing, you know what? Robinson is our best back. We have to utilize him like he's our best back. He has to give us some sort of identity on offense. So I'm not really worried about the utilization, even if Hyde is active in this game. You'll love the match against Tennessee. Low in RB1 for me. This is going to be one of the very few times by this season you're going to hear me say start your Jaguars if you have them. Yeah. Because after that debacle we saw with the Jets, you're going to have some confidence. There's a lot of different guys that could produce between Chenault, Marvin Jones, to the running back, James Robinson, like you said, even Trevor Lawrence. All these guys have a shot to be pretty productive after we saw the Jets be pretty productive last week. Well, and not just that, DJ Chark, he's going to be out probably for the year. So now you have the target consolidation to Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Chenault being the big winner here because he was the guy kind of getting left out. Now he's got that safe floor of getting all those, you know, short slot receiver targets. Marvin Jones was already involved anyway. So you actually like these guys quite a bit. I have Marvin Jones in my top 20. He's at wide receiver 19, and I have Chenault at wide receiver 26. Yeah, I can't dispute that at all. Like I said, I think this is one of the few weeks where he would Jack Warner, go ahead and start him because this Tennessee defense is not, is not showing you anything that they're going to stop anybody out there. I'm not going to do it this week. But Dan Arnold is somebody who's on my deep sleeper streaming tight end radar, especially, again, with some targets opening up, and they need something. They need something out of the tight end position, and they need somebody's going to have to emerge as a third pass catcher. So just a guy I have my eye on potentially due to uh, volume. This game right now, Tennessee, minus four and a half favorite road dogs, or ro- road favorites, I should say, over under set at 48 and a half. Here's what I'm going to say. If we get word that A.J. Brown plays, I will bet on Tennessee. Otherwise, give me the four and a half for Jacksonville. I would bet on Tennessee regardless if A.J. plays or not. I do think that they're going to be able to win this game, and I think they're still going to win by a decent amount. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't, if they don't have AJ, I don't know if they agree, if I agree they win by a decent amount. I think they could possibly win by a field goal, which would then have Jacksonville covering at the four and a half. Let's and go to New England. Tackle defense. They're kind of got 400 yards in this game. <laughs> that might be true, but he had 150 yards and a touchdown against the New York Jets, and it didn't matter. That's kind of more my point, and that, that's, that's what we saw. Uh, the Patriots-Houston matchup next. Damien Harris will return to life, I promise you, this week. I know it was brutal last week. I know it's been brutal since James White gone down because, you know, everyone's disappointed he's not going to get more targets, whatever. It seems to be Brandon Bolden's role. I don't care. He's my RB21 this week. He's playing Houston. He'll get plenty of carries. I think he finds the end zone. And outside of that, you can play Jacoby Myers. He's my wide receiver 36. He's getting a ton of volume no matter what the game script is, the game flow. He's the number one target in this offense. It's a good matchup. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody. I don't think you, you can't play Janu Smith. You can't play Hunter Henry. They're not utilizing these tight ends the way that I thought they were going to, and they're eating into each other. So I, mean, only, I, I want to agree with you, and I, I, we talked all fair about these two tight ends not being utilized how I'd like them to be. 
but the Texans have been putrid versus tight end this entire season. So I think that you have to start one of them if you have them. Because you saw you saw Dallas Knox have a nice game. You see basically a touchdown we score from the tight end position was every game versus Houston this year. So I think you definitely can start one of those tight ends. Who it's going to be, good luck. But I think if I have one of those two guys, I'm probably going to throw them in my lap because this is a chance that you're going to have better. You have the best chance this week versus the Texans of getting some production out of them than you ever will the rest of the season. Having I said that, I, and, and I, I can understand this, the fear because it's you haven't really seen these guys be utilized. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think the receivers have some value. I still how much value they really have in general because they've spread the ball so much around to different guys. Myers is probably good in PPR, but it really didn't have any kind of ceiling. Uh, Aguilar has the best ceiling, but you don't want the volume. And then Kenyon Board just continues to be out there for some reason. So these have different guys who can all do you know do a little bit of everything. I wouldn't love any of them. I do think Harris is a great player, though, like you said. And you were actually encouraged that while he hasn't taken you know taken the James White role by interesting means, he did have 17 routes run last week. So that is encouraging to a degree. He he is. It does op- open up the door for some hope in that department. We'll see. Uh, I, I just don't agree with with the tight ends. I think there's better options. I'd rather have a Tyler Conklin. I'd rather have a Dawson Knox. I'd, I'd rather have a bunch of guys in that range than have to play a Patriots tight end until their utilization from Joshua Daniels changes in any capacity. Uh, on Houston's side, it continues to be very, very simple. Uh, you play Brandon Cooks. He's my wide receiver, 21. Expect him to be taken out by New England, but he's still a wide receiver, 21. He's still a wide receiver, too. Why? Because as much as they were going to want to take him out, He's still the only one getting targeted the football. Uh, by the way, Patriots are number one defense for me this week, too, with Davis Mills at the quarterback position. All right, guys, let's uh, – anything you want to say about Brandon Cooks before we move on? I think Brandon Cooks is a starter. I'm going to give you guys a possible sleeper for this week, a deep, deep sleeper, and that's Ingram. This Patriot defense can't tackle. Oof. Oof. That's and I wouldn't want – I wouldn't be excited to start him, but I, this, is a, this is an opportunity, actually, because that Patriot defense has been really bad versus the run, particularly big running backs. I don't have a bold button, so I'll hit this one for you. Woo, Chris going deep on that one. All right, guys, let's hit the uh, let's get to the mailbag segments and get this show done for the day. The mail's here. Remember, anytime you want to get on the mailbag segment, all you gotta do is hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We will answer any question you send us. I'll pick out my few favorites. I'll put them on the show. We'll give you a shout out. That's how this whole thing works. Uh, today, picked out Jay and <laughs> tight end conversation. There's a lot of tight end conversations going on this week, I found. Uh, should I drop Robert Tanyan for Dalton Schultz? Uh, yes. As long as Michael Gallup is out, there's the targets available for a third pass catcher, Dalton Schultz, on a hot streak the last two weeks. I like their matchup this week again for Dalton Schultz and Robert Tanyan. You're just praying for a touchdown. So, yeah, right now, give me t- Dalton Schultz over Robert Tanyan. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, Jacquez, he asked me, should I trade DeAndre Swift and Devonta Smith for Kareem Hunt, Chase Claypool, and Allen Robinson? No. Yeah, that I think... was my quick answer. <laughs> too. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that you're giving up an RB1, RB2 with a possible RB1 upside in Swift. You're going to wave too many guys for guys who are basically underachieving, and Claypool is the receiver on his team. I would not make that move. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I said to Jock has as well. Uh, Kevin, Cameron Breit or Zach Ertz until Grant comes back? Wait, it sucks, Kevin. Uh, I would go was I want to have to go with Cameron Brayton in this situation just because I trust the passing game in Tampa Bay a lot more. You saw the six targets, although he had a big game last week. You see Brayton kind of is that guy who's behind Gronk and kind of fills that role for them. 
Yeah, I have to agree. At least I know Cameron Bray is getting the tight end targets on his team with Zach Ertz. Maybe he gets it. Maybe it's Goddard. Who knows what the game plan is going to hold. So for that reason, I lean towards Bray. But honestly, their utilization is about the same right now. So it's very, very close at this point. But I would lean a little bit towards Bray. And last but not least, because this has been the favorite topic of everybody this week, Rashad ba- Frank asked Rashad Bateman or Josh Gordon rest of the season. I would go with Josh Gordon. Um, I think that Marquise Brown showing that he might be the receiver one for this Raven team has been really productive for them all season long. Sammy Watkins has gotten seven targets every game he's played in. Mark Andrews is kind of still finding his role. Outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, who else do you throw the ball to the Chiefs? So I'm going to go with Josh Gordon. Yeah, I, I'm going to as well. The upside of maybe Gordon establishing himself as that third pass catcher on the Chiefs offense is more so than Bateman, who I agree with you, at best will be the second receiver, maybe third pass catcher on a lower volume Ravens offense. That's where it really trickles down for me. However, I want to add this. Everyone needs to stop getting too excited about Josh Gordon. Okay. Like this pipe, pipe down just a little bit on your excitement, pick him up, stash him. If you can, if you're in that position to do so, but let's not start to think like, Oh, he can run away with it. Uh, we're going to talk more about that game tomorrow. So make sure you check us out at 11 a.m. tomorrow, 12 30 PM. We'll be back on social media at belly up MDFF show and on the YouTube channel. But Chris, you and I are going to be back again tomorrow night. We're gonna be, I'm going to be all over the place tomorrow. So we have that show. Of course, we'll be on the Huntington's radio network from six to seven 30, like we are on Friday nights anyway. And then, we are doing the MD's DFS contest show with Chaz Florty from 9 to 10 p.m. on Friday night. Because what we're doing is we're getting that new schedule we're going to be implementing next week kicked off on Friday night. So make sure you tune in then for the DFS content. And it'll be good because Chaz likes to bet on college. We'll be able to talk a little bit about the college games as well. So I'll add some new content in for you guys by being able to make that switch. Guys, please follow us along on social media and on YouTube. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. And check us out tonight from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network. Good luck with your Thursday night matchups. We'll see you all real soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.